our mighty and heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity that you have given us to come and gather around your word. We thank you, God, for this song that we have just been singing. It helps us, oh God, to focus on you, that your word can change us. Your word can mold us to be what you want us to be. I pray, O oh God, that you might help me, give me clarity of speech, help us, O oh God, that we may not be distracted. Help us, O oh God, focus on you. Help us receive your word as a sweet, uh, uh, much more sweeter than honey. Thank you, God, for we have prayed this in Jesus' name, O oh Lord. Amen. This morning, I want to talk about a subject that I think I'm not qualified to talk about it. Uh, the pain of going through labor. I'm sure uh, it's a bit about life sciences, and I think uh, Brother Philip Wakai would be the best, maybe, <laughs> since uh, in part of his work, he does uh, talk about uh, physical sciences and biological sciences. Uh, to those who are in the healthy profession, they maybe understand uh, this subject, the pain of going through labor. Mothers, they do understand what I'm talking about. But perhaps fathers, it's something that they, they don't really know. I don't think uh, uh, perhaps uh, I'm really the right man to talk about uh, pain uh, of delivering a baby. To all our mothers, we have gone through labor. I'm sure you still testify that it is an experience. If one had this soul will, it should not be repeated. You cannot recommend it to anyone. I'm sure mothers will agree with me. The pain associated with it is indescribable. You can't describe. I can't tell you and even today, I don't understand when my wife says it was a painful experience when she was delivering our sons. Perhaps you need to go through it to discover it for yourself. The Bible promises this pain to womankind. When the Lord says in Genesis 3, verse 16, I will greatly increase your pains in childbearing. However, often when the delivery is done, all the pain and sorrow vanishes it just disappears and the joy of embracing the little bundle of joy takes over the joy of parenthood begins you watch with unspeakable joy as the child grows up learns to walk learns to talk you take him to school perhaps you take him to college and there you watch as your child becomes an adult. Normally, mothers are naturally very, very much uh, attached to their children. They've got a common signature, the pain that she went through. When she remembers that pain, she becomes more and more attached to her child. To a, man, to a, to a mom, to a mother, your child, though he can grow up to have a bald head like me, or to have a white beard, you still remain your child. You are attached to your child because of the pain that you went through. I'm sure what I'm saying 
mothers will agree with me that I'm not really uh, 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 going out offline. I'm sure I'm, 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 I'm really probably presenting the way you felt and the way you feel for your children. On the contrary, if your child grows up to become a rogue, a thief, a drunkard, an immoral person, and one who rebels against your teaching, you watch in shame. And the sorrows and pain of childbirth begin to torment you. That pain comes back to you. You wonder what has become of that little, sweet, beautiful, innocent child you brought up. You ask yourself, where did I go wrong? Who is responsible for turning the heart of my child away from my teaching? You may not forgive that perpetrator, that person who has influenced your child in the wrong direction. Today, it is with this motherly feeling that Paul positions himself in writing the letter to the Christians at Galatia. Galatia is now the central part of modern Turkey. He is resolved to fight for his little ones. He uses strong language, if need be. Mother Paul, he has rolled his sleeves, his sleeves, and using parental authority, he is confronting the kids and giving them a stern warning, giving a stern warning to the intruders, to those guys, to those who have influenced these children to go in the right direction. With this, let us turn to Galatians 4, verse 19. If you have got it from a Bible, one teacher of mine, sometime when I was a young boy, he taught me to, to remember how to go to locate Galatians. He asked me, do you know that electrical company which is called GEC? It used to be called GEPC, General Electric Power Company. So Galatians, G. E, Ephesians, P, Philippians, and C, Colossians. So if you remember that GEC, the General Electric Power Company, you'll be able to locate those, script, those epistles in your Bible. Hmm. Colossians 4, verse 19. My little children, for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, from my scripture, uh, from my Bible, which is the uh, NIV, it says, My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. Perhaps it would be good for us to briefly uh, read a few scriptures that okay before and after for us not to lose context of what Paul was talking about here. From verse 12, I'll read from verse 12 to verse 20 of that same scriptures. I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. What has happened to all your joy? 
I can testify that if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. If I now become your enemy by telling you the truth, those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always and not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I'm perplexed about you. I want to take you a bit into the book of Galatians, but I'll just be talking as a way of referencing as, as we go along. There's a problem here. There's a problem in the Galatian churches. These were churches that Paul had founded during his missionary uh, journeys. Um, the Galatian believers we had believed were now quickly turning away from the gospel of grace, the gospel of the grace of Christ. And they were now accepting a different gospel, which was not really gospel. You can see that in chapter 1, verse 6. They were now being persuaded to divert their attention to a gospel which was not a gospel at all. Paul actually describes this, it is no gospel. And he says, even if an angel was to come and teach you things that are contrary to what we have spoken to you, do not accept it. So, here was a problem in the Galatian churches. Those people who followed Judaism, or in a way, the Judaizers, they had a false teaching that was now trying to push the hearts of the Galatian churches, the Galatian believers, to stop or to mix what Paul had taught them. And now they were diverting the truth and telling them that now they needed to observe the law. Faith alone was not enough. They needed to observe the law. You can see this in verse three, uh, chapter 3, verse 10. They were even emphasizing that they needed to get circumcised. They went on to talk about them observing special days, months and seasons and years. So the Judaizers were coming in to trap these people we had received the word gladly. We had received the gospel of faith gladly. The Judaizers were trying now to confuse the Galatian believers. The Galatians had been running a good race. So says that scripture, if you read it in chapter 5, verse 7. The Galatians were running a good race. In other words, they had accepted the gospel as preached by Paul. But now, there was a problem. They were regressing in their faith and get them, getting themselves burdened by a yoke of slavery, burdened by coming back to observe the, do, the do's and the don'ts that the Judaizers were bringing into these churches. The Judaism's teaching was more like move on from faith to works. In other words, recant your faith and come to works. Come and keep the, 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 the commands. Come and follow the, 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 the traditions that have been cited. Uh, from the spirit to the flesh. You can see when Paul is writing this 
wonderful letter. He's making a very uh, big argument on the superiority of, of faith in Christ versus the keeping of the law, versus the uh, observing of, of, of the law. The teaching of the uh, 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 Judaizers, uh, according to uh, John Piper, he says it was not radical and humbling as Paul was. In other words, it was an easy follow. It was easy. Yeah. It was appealing to people who wanted to be religious and moral, but did not want to become party in the hands of God. It was appealing to, to those people like the Pharisees. Remember when the Pharisee goes to pray, he says, Lord, I do tithe, I do this, I do. He was citing the things that they were. It, it was just that thing that was appealing. Unlike the men who went before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, a sinner, a sinner. And the Lord says, the man who got justified was the one who prayed a prayer of faith. The Judaizers were influencing the new Galatian believers to turn away from the gospel of faith to the gospel of works. It was therefore an era of, of doctrine. It was an era of deviating from what the gospel says. So this was the problem of the Galatian churches. Now, Paul is at pains because if you read one of the scriptures of Galatians, of, 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 the, of the letter to the Galatians, where Paul says, finally, let no one cause me trouble for I bear on my body the marks of Jesus. He was saying he gave all, he did all for the faith of the Galatians. And now here comes someone who is trying to deviate them from that teaching. He therefore, as a parent, as a, 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 a mother, he, he wears the shoes of a mother, like we described as I started the, the message, that the pain a mother feels for his little children. My little children, so he says in verse 19, he speaks as a parent, both with authority and the most tender sympathy toward weak and sickly children, of whom I travel in birth again. The meaning of this is, for whose welfare I am deeply anxious, and for whom I endure deep anguish. A mother will always be a mother, though your child can be accused of the most heinous crimes, but that will not change that son from being your child. This we know as we observe life. Paul is jealousy about his children in the faith. He's jealous about his Galatian, and he is feeling the anguish. He is feeling the pain because of the retrogression that is now coming into this stage. Let's compare that scripture with what Paul says again in 1 Corinthians 1, chapter 4, verse 15. Even though we have 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the gospel. This is what Paul says to the Corinthians, that I am your father. I am your father. He is jealous about it, and because he occupies that position, I think there is parental authority there to help direct 
his children when they are deviating from the expected way. His anxiety for them, he compares to the deepest sufferings which human nature endures. The language here is quite stri striking. And the illustration that is used there, I think it does serve as a good uh, a, a position for those who minister the gospel. In other words, those who minister the gospel, I don't think uh, it should be good news when they hear that their children in the faith are uh, going back into apostasy or they are going back in the faith. Paul had become a Gentile to win the Galatians. We notice this in verse 12 that I said, if we go back to read, he says in verse 12, I plead with you brothers, become like me, for I became like you. Paul had to become like one of these Galatians people in order to win them to Christ. This is also emphasized when you read in the book of Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, uh, chapter, chapter 9, verse 21. It says, uh, uh, Paul, to the Jew, he became a Jew. To the Gentile, he became a, a Gentile. For the sake of winning people to the gospel of Christ. So Paul, he says, he had to give up his Jewish privileges in order to identify with these Gentiles, in order to identify uh, 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 um, with the Galatian believers. You notice now, he tells them that you must become like me. That verse which we which has been written, Paul says, become like me. In other words, Paul was free in Christ. If you read the book of Galatians, you will find that we have got liberty liberty in Christ. This is what Paul is telling the Galatians that you must be free. Be free from the bondage of the law. Be free like me. Paul spends about his children whom he had brought up in Christ. Now he's watching his children. Someone coming to confuse them. Someone coming to steal them by doctrinal, new doctrinal beliefs. What is Paul's desire? for the Galatians. What is Paul's desire for these new believers? Verse 19 that we're talking about. It says, until Christ be fully and perfectly formed in you. It is Paul's desire that Christ be formed in the Galatian believers. That is, till you be brought off from Judaism and opinions of the necessity of super adding the works of the law to the faith of Christ. What the emphasis there is, Paul, he wants these Galatian believers not to be held under the Judaism, under the belief that salvation is through works. Paul wants Christ to be formed in the believers. He wants them to be rooted in the truth. He wants them to be established in the liberty of the gospel with which Christ has made us free. My little children, Paul says, become as I am. He means let Christ be formed in you. So in that verse 12, when he says become as I am, he says 
let Christ be formed in you. Why are we saying this? We are saying this because of the most common verse that most of us believers know. Colossians 2 verse 20 which Paul wrote while he was making his argument about the freedom that we have in Christ when he says it was all done by Christ. He says I am crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body I live by faith in the Son of God. So Paul is drawing the Galatian believers to have this uh, uh, belief that we live by faith in Christ, not through the works that we can do for God. We live by faith. I am crucified. He's a crucified person with Christ. And he's no longer the one who's alive. Just as the formless embryo by degrees takes shape of a man, that embryo inside mommy's womb. So the unformed Christian by degrees takes the likeness of Christ. As he grows in grace, that likeness becomes more and more defined till at last the Christian reaches the stage of the fullness of Christ. This is progressive as we grow in Christ, we, as we grow in grace. The book of Ephesians that we did, it tells us, chapter 4, verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In other words, there must be a step-by-step, -step, a growth in, in Christ. We need to imitate, in, we need to grow to become, to be formed, to become like Christ. This is Paul's desire for the Galatian believers. Like I told you, this is a short sermon to go through the book of Galatians. But what I'm just uh, uh, talking about gives us the, uh, the general uh, uh, reason why that epistle, Paul was inspired to write that uh, uh, later to the Galatians. What are the learning points that we get from this part of scripture? Number one, Paul was gentle. He was gracious, but not soft on sin. You must see that. He was not soft on sin. Though you could talk to, to the people uh, 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 gently, he, he says to the Galatians, if you read Galatians chapter 3, verse 1, he begins that part of the letter by actually addressing them and telling them, oh, you foolish Galatians, who bewitched you? He was very strong about it. He was very strong about it. Who You were once running a good race. What has become of you? So, and contrast to that, on the other side, he takes a soft spot, a very gentle, very comforting, and he says, my little children, my little children, of whom I travel in faith again. He even goes on to say, I needed to be close to you so that I can talk to you well so that I can be with you. And on the other side, if you read on in chapter uh, uh, 6, he even says now I'm the one who's going to write. You can see how big the writing I'm writing with. I'm writing you know, Paul according to the uh, chapter that we read, 
he had a problem with his eyes. He, they were giving him problems. And I'm sure when he says, look how big the writing I am using now to write to you, and he comes back to his issue again, and he says, those guys who are doing this, they shall pay dearly for what they are doing, to deviate you, to take you away from the gospel of grace, from the gospel of faith. So our learning point is we must not really uh, uh, be soft on sin. Sin must be named. Point two, Paul loved the Galatians. That's why he wrote and spoke openly to them. This is love. He never minced his words, but he did it with quite wisdom. As he addressed the problems of the Galatians, he talked to them openly, showing them where they were going wrong. You started so well. What became of you? Point three, we must beware of what we can term today modern day Galatian errors. There are people out there who are preaching a gospel that is full, inundated with modern Galatian errors. I'll give you an example. There are people who come with additions to the gospel. They seek to neutralize our faith in Christ. Men made additionals, do's and don'ts. You must go to this mountain. You must go to this city once every year. You must do this so that your prayers as can be heard. These are modern Galatian errors that Paul moved through. And when he, 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 he saw that the Galatians for whom he had almost given all were being deviated, he was quick to reprimand and to rebuke and to help bring in line his children because he indeed had suffered for them to receive the gospel. You may have wandered away, point four, you may have wandered away in doctrinal error, just like the Galatians. There still is room. Thank you. Just like the Galatian era, Galatians, there is still room for you. You know, the Galatians were almost getting at a point where they were about to hate Paul. They were about to hate Paul. And Paul, that's why Paul, he says, but remember the joy you received me with when I was in that state which was so, uh, not many people would accept me. But you Galatians, you did accept me. Have you forgotten? So Paul is reminding them that uh, uh, the joy of first receiving the gospel. So these Galatians, were wandering away eh, but Paul he had still love for them there was a second chance he said of whom I travel again the first time Paul had passed through this land and he almost died for preaching that gospel and the Judeans if you read in the book of, uh, of Acts you find the, the, the fights that were taking place when the uh, Judaizers were trying to stop Paul from, uh, from preaching the gospel. Paul actually was beaten up for this gospel. So he reminds them about all the trouble that he went through. And this second time, he's doing it through this letter. He's writing them again the second time. He's feeling the pain, the motherly pain. He's feeling that pain uh, for, for the Galatians. In other words, there's a second chance. The Galatians can still 
come back. There's still room for them. My last point, the call is for Christ to be formed in you. This is a continual process. Christ must be formed in you. Christ must be formed. The call is to be like Christ uh, uh, on this earth. We must be shaped uh, like Christ, no longer being conformed to this world. I think the Bible is very clear in Romans 12 uh, when it says you must be, 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 be you, you must have a renewal of the mind. We must be like Christ. We must be like Christ. And uh, uh, we must be so formed and so dominated by Christ that indeed we may say with Paul, it's not I, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10 where that very wonderful scripture is by the grace of God, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. Where we think about Christ, we live Christ, we walk with Christ, and bringing into fruition Galatians 2 verse 20, which says, it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. This is Paul's wish. This is the wish that God desires of us, that it is no longer I that lives, but Christ who lives in me. May you think seriously about this part of scripture and I'm sure if you meditate upon it, you will uh, learn something and the desire to be more and more like Christ. Shall we pray? We thank you, Lord, for the gospel of liberation that makes us free. And thank you, God, for the freedom that we have in Christ Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for the book of Galatians where we can read that justification is only through faith in Christ. Not anything else that we can do. We don't merit this salvation, but it's through your free grace. It is my prayer that is Rustenburg Baptist Church, please Lord, help us to be formed like Christ, to be more and more like you. For we have prayed this in Jesus' name, our Lord. Amen.